I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of BD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. Today we've got a really cool episode. We're going to have Ryan Milliken from Hardway Performance. We're going to have Chase Fleece from Fleece Performance. John from Freedom Racing Engines. On all at the same time, Ryan drove up to Indiana, and he's doing some testing and and dynoing of a new engine for a brand new car that he's going to be putting this engine in and you guys will remember from several years ago we chatted with ryan about his green nova and why he chose to put a cummins in it and the class he was racing in and this car has a whole new set of goals and he's he's aiming really high for what he wants to accomplish and where he wants to take it and when he built that green nova he, he really pushed diesel racing into a different a different level of competition and it, it did so much industry-wide for diesel performance for going fast for times for tons of different things so we're really excited to be able to learn about this car and what the guys have planned for it before we get to it though we want to give a shout out to a couple sponsors who make episodes like this one possible and that's mishimoto they have a ton of different products for cooling, whether it's you know transmission or just so many different parts of your diesel truck that you want to keep control of fluid temperatures. They have it on there, and we've chatted with them about radiators and transmission coolers and even intercoolers before. And so if you're looking to make sure that your truck maintains those temps, Check out Mishimoto.com. You can see what they have based on your year and make truck or if it's custom application. They've got those as well. And for our shop owners out there, we know there's a lot of you guys that listen to the podcast. If you have a customer that walks in is looking for Mishimoto products or you're looking to stock some on the shelf and be able to get your customers back up on the road quickly, check out Turn 14 Distribution. The guys over there are really cool. They, they have diesel enthusiasts that, you know, when you call in, that's your account manager. So... They know exactly what you're looking for. They know what diesel customers want so they can help you. And if you like to work online, you're busy multitasking and want to jump on their website, you can see what's in stock, what the price is, shipping options. You get emailed invoices right away, receipts, tracking. They make it super easy to be able to get parts into your shop and make sure your customers are getting taken care of as quickly as possible. All right, let's get to the podcast with Ryan, Chase, and John, and chatting about some diesel racing. All right, guys, it's uh, this is really cool to be able to chat with so many all-stars in the diesel industry at one time. I don't think we've ever had uh, so much expertise on it uh, on one episode, so I'm glad to have uh, Ryan Milliken, Chase Fleece, John from Freedom Racing Engines. It's, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to chat with you guys today and uh, give our listeners some updates on uh, what Ryan's doing with racing and some things that uh, Fleece and Freedom are cooking up for him. So glad to have you guys on today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, excited to be a part of it. As always, appreciate it. Yeah, Ryan, it's been a, a little bit since we chatted. And I, last time we were talking about the the Green Nova that you had, and there was a, a big change. I wanted to have you update us all on, on the new car and, and what your goals are for it and what you've been working on. <clears throat> so the old car... Uh... It, it did very well. It was X275. Um, that's not what the car was built for, but that's where we stuffed it in. Um, so the big difference between that car and this car is this one is actually from the ground up a purpose-built X275 competitor, uh, purpose-built from the ground up, meant to have a Cummins in it. 
Um, no retrofit stuff, all the latest and greatest updated technology. Um, my, my number one goal with the car is to get right back where I was with the other car as far as a short-term goal. Uh, and then my long-term goal uh, initially with the car is I'd really love to make a valid attempt at an X275 points championship with a diesel-powered race car. That's going to be really cool to see you go for that. I know it did a lot for, I don't even remember when we did that episode. Maybe it was three years ago or four, but you had told us about wanting to take a diesel engine in a car and go compete in the gas world and why that was so important for legitimizing racing. And you did that. And so I think with this, it's, there's always a lot of people that watch you. They always have, they'd love to see what you're doing because you don't, you don't dream small or think small. You think big and then go, you go out there and do it. And you know, I've seen on Instagram and Facebook when you've talked about this, just how many people are paying attention. I know there's a lot of people rooting for you to be able to do it. Yeah, the um, this car, uh, unlike my other car, where when I put the Cummins in it, basically I got nothing but hate mail. Everybody calling me every name under the sun. You know, what idiot would, would chop up a perfectly good Nova and put a diesel in it and I think one of them's in his room right here saying that he didn't do it. But uh, That was one of my favorite digs on Ryan is you cut up a perfectly good Nova and put a Cummins in it. Yep, but now this time I think we set the precedent with the other car. Um, now everybody's watching knowing that that can work um, and, and it will work. And, uh, I mean, not, not directly because of anything that we've done, but uh, when I first started putting this blue car together – the original target weight per the X275 rules was 29.25. And uh, as of current, the rules have been updated, and now I have to weigh 3,000 pounds. So I basically got 75 pounds of weight thrown at me, and it hasn't even come off jack stands yet. So that, uh, it, that along with having the highest base weight in the whole class, um, where when we first came into X275, we were basically allowed to weigh whatever because, you know, what six-cylinder would go fast enough to have to weigh – what you know as much as these other turbo small block cars so um it, it's definitely a different it's a different environment going into this this one or going in with this car versus where we had the other car but um like you said we don't we don't uh we don't we're not swinging for the infield here and we have no intention of stopping until we have a race car that will print tickets and go as fast as we want whenever we want so you're up there at fleece performance you got chase and john from freedom racing engines there what are you guys what are you guys working on what are you guys planning out or you know getting parts ready doing testing you know what what, what do you guys have going on well we uh put together a class specific uh engine that i think uh, was a 365 cubic inch was yep, our, was 360, yep 365 cubic inch is 150 pound weight break so we took advantage of that and uh we're building our version of a 5.9 um to you know to meet that rule so we're looking forward to playing with that and we know that uh we know we can make the power um ryan also gets a weight break i guess we're running a little bit smaller turbo we mm -hmm. with a, went with an 85 millimeter gt55 on that so we're trying to take advantage of the rules and uh play in the gray as much as possible so we know how much power we need to pull uh we need to make and you know that's the, the goal of the engine dyno session this week so really looking forward to 
get the thing on there and uh, we got a few tricks up our sleeve on this thing so we're looking forward to getting it uh, getting it done as far as getting the car ready and i know there's so much that's going to go into it what's the what's the goal to have it ready to start making some passes just you know even just testing you know things like that short of having paint on the car um i'm yeah. looking to actually have the car functional and mobile by january 1st um there is a race down in South Florida in Bradenton, I believe the last weekend of January. I was hoping to have a couple of local test passes in, and I wanted to make that race uh, the first race the car goes to. And if everything goes well there, um, it, if it plays out right in my head, it's probably going to go to that race not painted. And if it behaves and I don't have to do a bunch of major work to it between then and lights out, which is the really important race to me in, at uh, South Georgia Motorsports Park at the end of February, I'm hoping that the car can go to paint during that time and show up at uh, South Georgia Motorsports Park with a fresh paint job, and hopefully going, hopefully by then going the, the speed and uh, an ET we needed to go. And when, when you're, you know, thinking about, you know, the impact of this car, I just I, I remember so much about the green one, and I remember how when you did that episode with us. You know, I'd, I'd see messages or, or comments and things from people, and they go, "Well, why is he doing that? Why doesn't he just use the, you know, stick with a truck and, you know, do this other class?" And you had a much bigger, a much bigger plan for it, and we've seen it catch on, and how it's helped so much in the the racing side, the motorsports side of it. If if you are successful with this, or when you are successful with it, I'll say is what kind of impact do you think it's going to have on diesel racing or high performance? When I'm, when I'm successful with the car, what kind of, what kind of, um, what kind of impact do you think that it'll have on like the industry or like other racers or I think on, on the industry, the diesel industry specifically. Well, I mean the, the goal has always been to show people that those of us in the diesel industry are just as capable of going as fast as everybody else, given the same set of rules. And I think it ultimately legit legitimizes the fact that we're just not we're not just playing with a bunch of tractors and and you know we we absolutely can run with everybody else. So um, I, I've I don't want to say I've started a trend, but I've started a trend <laughs> with specifically diesel powered at Novas. It seems like I mean I have my my first one. It'll be back out next year. Um, my blue one will be out uh, next year as well. And there's rumors of another one from another camp. Um, actually, I believe it's a 70 Nova coming out. And from what I'm told, they're also coming out to play an X275. So there very well may be three diesel-powered X275 Novas next year. So um, so essentially, we've taken everybody from looking at, at, at a diesel engine in the performance industry as something you're only ever going to find in a tow truck to them wondering why all of a sudden these things are showing up at the racetrack on the racetrack to now wondering why they just got beat by one and how much it costs to have one of those. So we're, uh, we're going the right direction for sure. And it's crazy to see how many people, like I have a lot of people who will get a hold of me um, when Ryan's at a race and be like, oh my God, did you guys build the engine that's in this car? It is so freaking fast. Like I can't believe how cool this is. And it's just, it's kind of started something that a lot of people... Like, I don't know if they didn't think about it or just 
you know what I mean? Just never thought that that could happen for real, and it did. Well, you, it's changed and broke down a lot of barriers. We've 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 done a lot of dyno racing over the years, but translating 2,500 horsepower on the dyno in a graph, and then taking that and translating that over to 2,500 horsepower worth of trap speed, given the same set of rules as your competitor with a a, um, a small block Chevy nitrous motor or or a, you know even a, a blown Hemi out there and given the same same set of rules and keeping up with them and it's it's just awesome to see everybody's reaction on their faces at the end of the track like how fast did that thing just go 170 <laughs> how much horsepower does that take 2600 and change I, I think we should really also focus on the fact that uh, you know common rail injection and you know modern control systems are really the breadwinners of the, the reasons why oh, we yeah. can have you know these these diesel cars doing what they're doing um, you know ten years ago uh, there was a uh, you know the, the grandfathers in the industry um, you know a lot of those guys with pro street running mechanical engines and mm -hmm. whatnot you know they, they paved the road for us but uh, they were all you know just blowing smoke like crazy down the track and and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that I mean obviously I live in the truck pulling world where you know we blow plenty of smoke but the, uh, the these diesel cars it's fun to see them go down the track and you can read the scoreboard at the end of the track and uh, there's plenty of people representing us well uh, in the industry right now so it's it's a fun time to be involved in motorsports yeah on that subject the the ECU we're using in this car is a MoTeC um, ECU it's my first time with it uh, I had a Bosch in the green car the Bosch was um functional it was clunky it was hard to use required tons of tech support from uh from you know from from outside outside help because i had no idea what the heck i was doing with it when i first got it but i'm hoping this motec will get me every everywhere we need to go and, and do everything i needed to do without being hopefully half as complicated as that bosch was um but even if we were to go back 10 years ago like chase said you know we've had common rails for 17 years now in the Cummins world, yeah, 19 03. years. Yeah, yeah, so we're going on 20 years of common rail technology, but 10 years ago, nobody was really using these aftermarket ECUs like we are now. And a street-based or a stock-based ECU that would come in an early common rail truck just doesn't have the control that we have over these engines to do what we need to do to, to, to properly put 2,000-plus horsepower down to a 9.5-inch tread pattern drag radial. Um, well, you know, before S&S was S&S, you had Andrew Stauffer, who, you know, was a Bosch guy that was messing around with these ECUs and was always telling us how cool they were, but he was pretty much the only guy that yep. knew what to do with them. And uh, obviously that, that world's changed a lot, and they've supported the industry quite a bit, as well as, you know, Exergy and other fuel companies. Um, you know, the standalone ECU has really, uh, it's really paved the way for, you know, I guess hell, people like Firepunk and uh, Shaddy and Ryan and uh, who else has got one of them? A lot of people do. They're, yeah. they're actually becoming they're, a lot more common. But I guess what I'm getting the Rudy's crew has the yeah. MoTeC in MoTeC. Corey's uh, PPDI car has a MoTeC in it. Yeah, this, these, these have paved the paved the road because you couldn't just you could do it with a factory ECU, but man, well, it was when crude. you when you look at it when you look at it in that aspect, it's not that much different than the gas industry. I mean, 20, 30 years ago, everyone was running a carburetor in the gas industry. Um, everybody had, you know, coil, coil unplug ignition wasn't a huge thing. 
the, the big crazy fuel injection systems wasn't really a huge thing. If you were at the racetrack, you were typically going to see a whole bunch of carburetors and a bunch of nitrous cars with blow through carbs and all that stuff. So that carburetor is basically the same thing as our mechanical pump, mm-hmm. right? And then when the LS platform came out and that, that platform became basically tunable with all the aftermarket um, EFI lives and HP tuners and stuff like that. And now everybody in the drag racing, at least in the Dwarf Slammer drag racing world, has switched over to Hall Tech, Fuel Tech, Holly EFI, and all that. So this MoTeC system and the and the Bosch Motorsports ECU is essentially our version of a Hall Tech or a Fuel Tech. Same, you know, where you have one platform that runs the entire car. Um, and what's cool about the MoTeC system is it can actually run a gas car too. So in the future, if we want to move on to something else and take this blue car and repurpose it somewhere else or sell it. Um, with a wiring update, we can drop a Hemi in it. We can drop whatever we want, and run with the same with the same ECU in it. So, um, but it's that kind of technology that's allowed us to to advance to where we are with these cars. At Chase and John, when Ryan comes to you guys with an idea and a vision for what he wants to do on your guys's end, what kind of opportunities and challenges does it provide you guys to deliver? the engine and the setup that he's going to need to go out there and race and and meet his goal well challenge one is it's ryan (laughs) so (laughs) like you know from my standpoint from the build build side of things like it's always a you know we need to build something that's gonna do it's gonna be able to handle what ryan's gonna throw at it right so you know when a project like this comes up usually involves chase and i sitting down at the desk and like drawing it up and figuring out and there's some going back and forth over you know this or that and we'll weigh each option and kind of come up with a game plan and then inherently there's always a little bit of bumps in the roads and hiccups as you start to go through the process and you know we're this project's unique in that we're using an iron block and um, so we have kind of a whole new set of challenges and it's almost like taking new technology and combining it with what you know stuff we were doing five six years ago and putting it all together so yeah you're always uh, building and improving upon you know what you did yesterday um, the engine that he's getting uh, the uh, parts combo I'm not gonna say it's way too much different really than what we originally started with the green car um, there's a lot of proven parts in there but there's also some improvements that have been made along the way um, with uh, advancement with advancements in the fuel injection side and you know turbocharger stuff like that we're, we know we're gonna be making more horsepower than we were when we started this thing but uh, the nuts and bolts of it the engines uh, it's really pretty simple anybody that you know wanted to call up and order something to race with like they could get the same thing it's not a not an overly crazy one-off build it's it's pretty common yeah, it's by no means this car is. Uh, you could you could take the engine out of this car with the exception of we have it poured solid. Yeah. Um, what is it? It's not. It's, it's not concrete. Epoxy. Yeah, it's epoxy filled. But if you were to take this exact same combo and not fill it with epoxy, you could literally bolt it in any truck out there, and and go do whatever it is you want to do with it. It's not a it's not a wild one off billet piece, which is I think another thing that makes this car pretty special is that is that it's it's a lot more relatable to all, all of our customers because I pop the hood off and they see a, the same engine that's in their truck. So, And that's one thing. We went with 
you know, cast iron, obviously, on this go-around because there's a significant weight break and, uh, you know, that's just the direction we wanted to go. Our billet block, we've been working on it and we're making progress, but we weren't, uh, we weren't ready to throw it in there just yet. And, you know, as Ryan and I got to talking, we thought that, honestly, the cast iron block and head would uh, actually be a benefit to us um, with the weight. So, obviously, that's the direction we went. Uh, there may be a day and, you know, there may be a day that we need to go ahead and do the aluminum block so he can run, you know, Pro 275 mm -hmm. or whatever else and actually yeah. have a, a chance. It'd so. be either Pro 275 or LDR is the next place to race the car in, but I've got a lot of unfinished business in X275 to tend to first, so <laughs> and we'll, that's we'll, the, we'll, be here, we'll be here for a minute. And that is a whole other challenge in itself, too, is like looking out to the future of, you know, Ryan, the car, you know, they're going to tell us what we need to know to keep improving on the platform that we have and or maybe we in the future have to transition like you said chase into an aluminum block or you know whatever it might be that's those are the unknowns that you have to just be able to you know shift and move and fix and adjust and yeah i think with taking it's like you mentioned ryan and and chase with being able to replicate it and how it isn't it isn't just a, a one-off custom thing that that you guys are building. It's it's so much that you are learning through you know this car and this goal and this vision that there's going to be so much that comes out of it. So in the future, you guys are growing as the vision for the car grows, and I think that that it, it's just so amazing to think of you know where things are at right now while we're talking versus seven, eight, ten years ago what the idea of going fast or high performance was has completely changed. And so I think, you know, with the meeting of the minds that you guys have there and the processes and the expertise and, and everything that's going to be taking place on this build, it's going to be really exciting to follow it, not just in 2021, but going forward. Now, as far as what this does, you know, save for freedom racing engines on other builds, you know, things that you guys learn on Ryan's car is some of those lessons and technology, is that able to translate into other engines that you guys offer? Absolutely. I mean, just looking at, you know, our basic street, you know, common cylinder head that we offer, like the seat technology, the parts and pieces that we use were derived from the performance and the things that we've done over the years. You know whether it was Ryan's black truck mm -hmm. or the Nova or whatever you know all of that technology came out of the things that we were doing the stupid silly crazy high horsepower builds that we've done we've taken all that and added it into our you know normal off-the-shelf you know uh, reman cylinder heads engine builds so like that's that's how we help better our products across the board is by proving them in the harshest environment and then figuring out how to put them into just the stuff that you know the general consumer might need so the link between the racing or the, the you know the high performance stuff and just what a consumer what a truck owner can call in and buy is light years different than it used to be yeah i mean we've and i mean at freedom i get phone calls from everything from just i need a stock engine for my pickup truck because it's hurt and I need to, I use my truck for, you know, towing for a living to, 
you know, customers like Ryan or Derek or uh, any of our guys that we're working with on these um, bigger projects. And, you know, that's the goal is to always continue to learn and grow and uh, continue to better our products and develop more technology as we go to make everything we do from stock to, you know, super crazy stuff like Ryan's car, make it last. Which you definitely learn a lot over the years. I mean, you know, it goes without saying our, our company's rooted in continuous improvement. That's, you know, one of our main goals here throughout, you know, from the turbo shop to the engine shop to the truck shop. Um, but our what we really like to do is when we when we can pass that on to the consumer, you know, through all of our products, you know, obviously we find something wrong with something, we're going to improve it to the current best uh, product that we have. And uh, cylinder heads, like John said, that's a great example of uh, how the racing and the UCC and the truck pulling, how how that has transferred uh, transferred over to you know the guys that are using the trucks every day to make a living. I did a podcast not long ago with Lenny Reed from Dynamite Diesel Products, and we were talking about just how this year has been with basically a, a lack of you know events and different things. And he was telling me about you know, what he feels 2021 is going to be and how much of a leap forward that, you know, the average diesel enthusiast is going to see, you know, out there on the racetrack. And I wanted to ask you guys, as far as this year and some of the downtime that's existed, has it allowed you guys to really be able to take time, think about things, test things, come up with new ideas that maybe you wouldn't have if, you know, events and races are going, you know, all through the spring and summer and, and the end of fall. Well, honestly, much to our surprise this year, like you would think there would be some time to do that, but this has been one of our busiest years on record. Um, obviously, we've, you know, focused on, you know, process improvement, getting things done quicker through the shop, but we really haven't had the time that we were hoping to have to, you know, work on side projects and, you know, R&D which usually I kind of try to do that in the winter, and I think we're kind of getting close to where we can we can work more on on those projects. But this year, I mean, it's been a blur with COVID and everything going on, you know, and being uncertain, not knowing, you know, what what the industry is going to do. We've we've been extremely busy, and we're, we're blessed beyond belief that it has been that way. Ryan, I don't know, how about you? Were your guys' business has been slammed or business? Is, uh, well, I run a racetrack as well. The racetrack business has been amazing because. We're outdoors. It's a, a normal place for people to go, and it's worked out really well. Shop business has been about the same, but um, with a lot of the the larger events across the country getting canceled, it allowed me to not have to travel as much as I would normally would have this year. So honestly, if if this were a normal year, I don't think I would have been able to make the progress to be where I'm at with the car had it been a normal year because there would have been so many more weekends and weeks where I'm gone. Uh, specifically right now, we wouldn't have the time to do this uh, engine dyno stuff and, and, and the cars up at SNS right now getting the final wiring harness installed and all that. And uh, if it were a normal year, we'd all be at PRI right now at a trade show. So no work would be getting done on a car whatsoever. But instead, uh, I'm planning on going home from this trip with this motor that we beat on for a while on the engine dyno in the frame rails, ready to go to Florida for me to slap a drive shaft in and start doing real work on it. Like it's so you know, Chase has been busy. Everybody's been busy. I mean, the Fleece Boys have been busy, but their timeline for me has worked out perfect. Um, 
and I think this year was a blessing in disguise, to be honest with you, because I feel like if it was a normal year, it would be, <laughs> let's just be real, it'd probably be April or May before I got to where I'm at on the car right now because I'd be traveling so much and working on everybody else's stuff. So it's actually worked out pretty good. Yeah, I think this year's just been, uh, obviously for everybody in the country, a different set of challenges, but it's been good in a lot of different ways. It's made all of us look at the business and how we operate differently. Um, to have more time to focus on doing more R&D and things like that. Uh, like Chase said, the shop's been just crazy busy, which is good. Um, but it's also allowed us to, um, I think, do a little bit more R&D and there's a little bit more budget for that. Um, you know, and then with the racers being off um, quite quite a bit this year, we we have actually done a little bit more development in the pulling stuff. Um, you know, working on Ryan's stuff, but you know, as a whole, it's it's definitely been an interesting year. Uh, I'm ready for 2020 to be over. Yeah, I think we all are. <laughs> yeah. And looking forward to 2021, and I think uh, I think Lenny Reed's spot on. I think 2021 is going to be nuts. I think you will see a lot of cool stuff. I think a lot of people have things going on that are going to get debuted in 2021, and you know we're looking forward to it. Well, I, I'm sure you guys have some more testing and some things to finish up today, and I don't want to pull you guys away from helping Ryan get his car you know ready to go. But I appreciate you guys sitting down chatting with us telling us about the car and what you're what you're working on and we're all really excited uh like you guys mentioned for 2020 to be over and for next year to start and be able to see you make some passes around 2350 horsepower or bust appreciate the time always good to be on thanks patrick don't forget diesel fans make sure and head on over to missionmoto.com if you're looking for products to be able to keep your diesel truck running as smoothly and cool and efficiently as you need it to whether it's radiators transmission coolers intercoolers or there's a ton of other products that they have let's go to mishimoto.com check those out and for our shop owners that are listening if you're looking to get mishimoto products make sure and give a call over to turn 14 distribution get set up if you're not they'll get you a login an account manager phone number everything that you need to be able to make sure you get parts to your shop as quickly as possible Till next time keep the shiny side up